Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Today's episode is brought to us by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's exactly what you would write in the sand if you were stuck on an island, right? H-E-L-P, help. And then you see the helicopter go by, you start waving. BetterHelp is that helicopter. They are the ones that will save you. They will pick you up. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, it's been a sense of feeling inadequate or uh, afraid of expressing my needs. Because like, if I express my needs and they say no and they find out what I really want, they're going to leave and I'll be abandoned and I have to start all over again. And, and also just comparing myself to other people. Every time I compare, I get on social media and I see the, the amazing life that other people are living, it just makes me want to just curl up and stop doing everything that I'm doing. But BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, I understand when you are in uh, despair and, and you are spiraling, you just feel like, the last thing I want to do was talk to anybody, but it's the best thing to do. When, when I was in trouble, when I couldn't see my way through the, the, the thickness, through the darkness, it was talking to someone, especially a professional therapist that guided me through. I still have a therapist. I have not only my own therapist, but I have a couple's therapist. So me and my girlfriend have a therapist. Like therapy, talking to someone is so beneficial but it doesn't feel like it when you're in the midst of it. Now, I want you to remember that it's not a crisis line. Better help is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. Better help is not the right solution for you if you have thoughts of hurting yourself or others. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with, as with traditional therapy. You could kick back at the crib at your house in Sukasa and get your therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and Free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And here's the kicker, ladies and gents. Financial aid is available. That's right. But you, ain't, you don't have to go to college. College ain't the only one doling out financial aid. BetterHelp has financial aid because BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily, right? Check them out. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. That's right. I got a slash before the name. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. That's Better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer. Here's a special offer. Check this out. I just, 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 just came in just now. Special offer for my Before You Kill Yourself listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. That's right. Just for tuning in, just for being a, a friend, uh, an ally, uh, 
just somebody who I could just, who I enjoy spending my time with, 10% off your first month if you go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. Let's go. Corlin, what what's this book you got coming out? What what are we talking about in this book? What's all the what's all the details in there? What's going on? <laughs> so the book is pretty much about like the story of my life. Um, I. <clears throat> I'm an adult performer, and um, I was at the AVN Awards about four years ago, and I was speaking with a journalist who started asking me stories about my life and said, you've got to put this down in a book. I can't believe you haven't written a book. So we've been working on the book for four years, and it just got picked up by a publishing company called Kid Marketing, and they have so far done 460 bestsellers. They plan to release my book in the middle of June. We are awaiting exact release date. Just got back from editing today so we shot book cover yesterday and uh getting the word out there we're going to be doing the online launch party and telling anyone that's interested in getting a free download copy to make sure that they follow my social media on instagram and on twitter so that they can um be there for the launch party mid-june oh that sounds exciting Yes. (laughs) So, and the book just has to do really a lot with, um, you know, the misconceptions around being in the adult industry and the variety of the different things that I have done in my career um, and how, you know, people get a college degree and everybody kind of goes a different route sometimes and what, you know, people find acceptable or non-acceptable with the way people make a living or what people choose to do with their lives. And it's a, it's a book about being non-judgmental and it's a book about, you know, accepting anybody for for, you know, who they are and what they do. And as long as they're not harming anybody um, and also showing the different direction that my life took me uh, when it was never, you know, growing up as a little girl, you never say I'm going to be a porn star when I grow up. I'm going to be a owner of a swingers club. I'm going to work in a brothel. And um, that's kind of the route that I went, even though I have a college degree in directing and I was an Olympic competitor going to the Olympics for South Africa and just a very different change of direction in life. Wow. The Olympic competitor, bachelor's uh, degree. What, what was uh, the Olympic sport? So I was a competitive figure skater, and I started at the age of three, and I um, was training to represent South Africa in the Olympics, and um, at the age of 19, I was dropped by my partner, and I shattered three ribs and broke my knee and a couple other injuries and was unable to continue with my figure skating career, so my life had to take a different turn. I mean, all right, so I want to unpack a few things in there. One is... (laughs) We we know that opioids uh, or injuries is is a gateway to opioid use and drugs. Did you did you go down that road at all? I did not go down that road. I did do um, ibuprofen for a while. You know, 800 milligrams of ibuprofen, trying to see if that would help me tolerate the pain to get back on the ice, but it just was un, it was unrepairable. And then in terms of ice skating, the 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 expectations and the pressure. And the and the training and the and the pain, uh, uh, you know, you, you have to maintain such a a, a a certain body weight and a certain body standard. Did did you develop any eating disorders from that? 
did not develop any eating disorders, but it definitely was a nonstop battle, um, especially as a figure. I was a pair skater, so partner lifting me. So when I lived in uh, Germany and was skating in a professional show, uh, they were constantly weighing us in daily, and there was a lot of pressure on that end. And also being a female in the figure skating world, we're a dime a dozen where men are difficult to find. So it was very, very difficult to keep your partner. You had to really stay on top of the game of keeping your partner, and that's a lot of what my book is about too is the different interactions and the things that I had to put up with with my male figure skating partners in lieu of not losing them. So when you say keep your partner, what like what do you have to do and what does that mean exactly? So if you're not if you're not up to par, if you're not landing the throws, if you're not um, you know uh, landing the side by side jumps with them, they'll move on. They'll go find another partner. It's easy to find a girl for them. It's hard. It's hard for us to keep up to their level, you know, and keep them to stick with us. So um, I had a lot of issues with that. There was a big age gap in my partners. So I was young. I was 16, 17, 18 years old. My partners were 30, 35 years old. So um, a difficulty of dealing with that as well. So, uh, yeah, what was the difficulty with that? I mean, I I understand it uh, intellectually, but I I can't possibly understand it not being in that world like what were the challenges so, and growing up as a figure skater? Um, you know, like I said, I, you know, I came from a good home, um, uh, really good grades, honor roll student, college educated, and I was very innocent and naive, I guess, back in those days. And so, you know, my partners, um, you know, one, one evening, for example, I woke up to my 35 year old partner being sexually interactive with his boyfriend in the bed next to me while I was on the couch right there in the same room. And that just scared the crap out of me. And, you know, it, caused me at that time to call my parents crying and lost my partner and went home due to something that had I been older, I might have been able to just say, okay, oh, well, whatever, who cares? But at that time, you know, I was too young and naive to understand what was going on. Yeah. I mean, where are you from originally? Uh, Born in South Africa, raised in California. Well, uh, (laughs) so (laughs) well, now what part of South Africa, Cape Town or? Born in Johannesburg. Wow. in a nun's convent, if we can believe that. <laughs> yeah, all right. So you were born in a nun's convent. Were you were you adopted? Why were you? Nope. I'm Jewish. Uh, we were just that was the best place to have a baby in Johannesburg. Apparently, <laughs> are there a lot of Jews in uh, Johannesburg? Is that yes, like is that, is that a hot spot for the Jewish people? And it's a hot spot. Yep. And a lot of people now live out in California. A lot of immigrated out. You know, moved out here during the apartheid. Wow. And it what now is that where your parents are from or did they they move there? Both parents are from South Africa. I moved to California when I was three years old, but I have been back to visit numerous times. Wow. All right. So you you come to you leave Johannesburg, South Africa. You come to California is now is that to compete in ice skating? Nope, that was just to get away from the apartheid, Um, apparently. So we moved out here when I was three years old. I believe my parents took me ice skating at the age of four just for fun, and I fell in love with the sport and dedicated my entire life to skating. Everything was skating. Now, how did you make that transition mentally, emotionally? Was it easy for you once you, you know, had the injuries, or was it a a battle to, to, to move on? It was a battle to move on. That was, you know, I was was 19 years old. So my entire life from the age of four to 19 was you're going to go to the Olympics. You're going to represent South Africa. You're going to get a degree in theatrical production and you're going to open up your own Circus de Soleil show on ice. And all of that 
came to an end with that injury. Um, I was uh, able to go on and get my college degree, get married. I had two children. Um, we lived in Sweden for four years. I was able to coach ice skating in Sweden and then moved back to California to raise my son. And a couple years later, had an additional child. So now you have three kids. I have two kids, two boys. Oh, oh okay. So you had one and then moved one, and then came one. back. Got you. Correct. One in Sweden and then brought them, brought him back and then had another child four years later. All right. So you have two kids. You're married. And are you and are they both into sports or no? Uh, so, nope, neither of the kids are into sports. And I've now been divorced for 10 years. So I've got my um, and I share custody, a very good relationship with the ex-husband. But a lot of my book, too, is about how my ex-husband and I kind of got involved into the swinger lifestyle. And that's where our divorce um that's why our divorce occurred and how our marriage took a downfall and kind of how my life went from being this, you know, grow up, live in the white picket fence house, have the two kids, get the college degree. You know, my goals would be being um, an Olympic skater to now I'm a divorced mom of two. Um, I live an hour away from an ice rink. The children are too young. I can't afford to put them in daycare. And so the choices that I made to be able to support my kids. Why? All right, so let's backtrack a little. What got <laughs> us into the swinging? Like, was it was the was the relationship getting kind of sour, bored, no, to spice it up, or what? No, yeah, it was just you know nothing at all. Nothing had to do with you know a sour relationship. We just um, kind of fell into. Um, it started with uh, oh gosh, that's part of the book. It started with selling um, underwear online, which led to custom videos, which led to a request for my husband and I to do a video of us having sex together, which led to us thinking that that was kind of exciting to be watched by someone, which led to us going to a swingers party, being involved in the swinger world for a while, ultimately my husband falling in love with another couple that we were exclusive with, and uh, we divorced, and he ended up with her, but now she's back with her husband, and (laughs) he's moved on, and I stayed in the swinger world because by that time, that was kind of where our friends were, and that was the open-minded community that I like to be in, and so I ended up starting my own swingers club, and I now have 18,000 members in my community. This is all super <laughs> fascinating. I mean, this, this book this is, is going to fly off the book. shelves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when we talk about porn, I actually was in a porn. It was called uh, Bank Heist Two. Uh, okay, I believe. Excuse me. It was it was an accident. Um, I, you know, I had, when I first moved to LA, my agent was like, Hey, you want to, you want to do this playboy after hours thing? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it turned out it was just like at a warehouse in like the Valley of where, you know, like that's where all the stuff was made in the yes. Valley. And, um, and I was like, a, I was an extra in a bank heist scene. I was just like this guy standing, uh, in line at a bank while the female bank robbers robbed the bank of, of its, uh, you know, ejaculate. Um, <laughs> so, Love it. and and I was just supposed to like just stand there and act like nothing was happening. That that was that was my whole role. But there you go. But what was fascinating is, and and I have a friend who uh, used to produce porn, and and then you know streaming uh, came out and it wiped out his business. But you know, yep. talking to the 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 uh, uh, porn actresses and and actors. 
uh, they're like they're they're very much like you, like very well spoken. You know, they have kids. They they're like it, it wasn't like it didn't feel strange. Like it wasn't you know right. conversations about sex. They were just like people. Uh, want, you know, it was a job, and they took it. I could tell they took it very seriously. At least the set that I was on, it was it was very professional. It was very clean. The food was amazing. I remember like the spread <laughs> was. I was like, because I I've been on. Uh, you know, different movie and TV sets, and and we get fed well, and there's a nice spread. But I remember thinking, like, this is this is really nice for. Yeah, those days are long done. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, bring you know, your own food. <laughs> what what are some of the the misperceptions about porn actresses and stars in terms of like their background and their mental health? Because I mean, the image to me, it seems like it's just like. You know, women with daddy issues and 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 guys, yeah, who, exactly. you know, like what's going on. So, so that is the misconception, you know, that people, you know, people think that um, you can, you know, most porn stars come from a bad home, an abusive home, um, you know, raised by there was no father, no father figure. Um, they get involved into, you know, being a stripper or porn to make money. They get involved in drugs. They become, you know, drug addicts. They do cocaine to stay skinny. You know, all these misconceptions. And I'm not saying that that is not 100% true, and everybody's case is different. Um, but there are, um, in my experience, again, and this is in my book, but in my experience, I have not had one bad experience in the industry from the directors to the boom operators, to the editors, to the other talent that I've worked with. I've developed friendships, um, uh, educated people, um, you know, every it's a job and it's really just you wake up like anybody else. You go, you do hair and makeup, you know, you take your photos. That's called pretty girls. They tell you what's going to be first, second, third, fourth, etc. in the scene. You roll the scene. There's a lot of stop and go. And that's it. You get your check and you go home. You pick your kids up from daycare. You run to the bank, the groceries, cook dinner and start your day again, you know, and and that's a lot of what it is. Now, I was lucky I got into the adult industry when I was 37 years old. So I wasn't a young girl getting in and I had, you know, college education. And so I think that maybe being mature kept me away from going down the wrong path, if that could be a thing. But there's I to this day, I know a lot of young girls who are doing it right, you know, and that's kind of what um, I do now as part of one of my many jobs is manage, manage models, manage girls that are getting in and help them make the right choices and keep them on the right track. Let's let's get into the mental health side of this. Uh, uh, is there a mental health component to this? Was did you have to go to therapy uh, for any reason or? No, I did not. I think that my biggest concern that I battled with and I still battle with today, and especially with my book getting ready to release, is that no parent wants their child to be in the involved in the adult industry, and. Um, my parents know what I did, and I always felt like I was letting them down, and I wasn't the daughter, the daughter that, you know, they wanted me to be. I didn't get to the ice skating Olympics. Um, I'm a divorced mom. You know, did I ruin my marriage? Why did, you know, it was questioning me. Why did my husband and I break up? What did I do wrong? And it was always, so I, I it wasn't a therapy thing for me, but it was very much a mental abuse in my head going, you know, uh, uh, how much longer am I going to live to please my parents and and not live for me and be for me, you know? And so uh, this book is a big 
big step for me. They are, you know, my parents know um, what I did for a living. They do not know that there is a book that's going to be released. And I hope that they will read it. And I hope that they will understand the choices that I made and the businesswoman that I am. And um, hopefully I can change other people's perspective on uh, judging anybody that chooses to go into the adult industry, because everybody's got a story and everybody should share their story and nobody should be judged for the choices that they've made. When That's you, how we look. When you talk about living to please your parents, uh, go, going back to ice skating, was that something you did to please your parents or did, was that, was that coming from you? That was actually coming from me 100%. I was never forced into it. I was the one that wanted to pursue it. I did not come from a wealthy family. So birthday presents and holiday presents was not part of my you know, childhood. It was, do you like ice skating? Do you want to compete next year? Do you want a new dress? Do you want um, to enter this competition? And that was, you know, happy birthday to you. And there you go. And I didn't mind that. Ice skating was 100% my, my dream, my goal. And um, my choice never, never pushed on me. So where did this pressure of living to please your parents come from? Uh, just to do, to do the right thing. I started at a private school um, when I was younger. I went to a public school. Grades, you know, you had to get the good grades, get into a good college, college degree. If my grades dropped, ice skating was held over my head as, we're, you know, you were going to take you, I would take your ice skates away. You're not going to be able to compete. So I was a very, very um, disciplined child and I was very, very determined and they were always very, very proud of me and proud of me when I got a college degree and proud of me when I graduated on the dean's list and proud of me when I found an amazing husband and I married him and had two amazing kids. And then from all of that, it all crashed. And, and I, I led, got led down this road of, you know, starting my own, um, uh, swingers club and then because i have a degree in theatrical production i got a job as a director and it happened to be a director in the porn industry and that led me down working as a director which uh then was suggested to me by production assistant on the site or on the uh, set sorry who said i believe you know you should be in porn you're beautiful you're friendly you're intelligent you're sexy and why are you working for 300 dollars a day when you could come in and out in an hour and get <clears throat> a decent paycheck and get home to your kids on time and so <clears throat> it just kind of shows all these different steps that took me down this road. And then, as you said earlier, the porn industry took a big change when the internet and streaming and free internet on Pornhub and so and so and DVDs came to an end and sets became just one director who was also the camera operator. There was no more boom mic holder and um, it just took a complete change, and then the money wasn't as good, and that led me to another adult performer telling me that she works for the brothels up in Nevada, and I just, you know, took a step and did that as well, and so it's just kind of a whole circle and from where I'm at, you know, where I started to where I was going to where I ended up, <clears throat> and where I'm still going. Oh, well, you know, what's interesting is, and and because I, I love to peel back the layer on, you know, as a kid, you talk about how if your grades weren't up to par, then your parents held ice skating over you. And, and that sounds, uh, to me, that sounds like pressure. That sounds like you're, it sounds like a conditional type of affection in, in that your, your parents, and I'm not, I'm not blaming the parents, but if, if there's a if then in terms of if you don't perform a certain way, then we're going to take this other thing away from you. 
I can understand where the pressure to please your parents can come from. Yeah. So in my situation, and again, when, when we grew up, they couldn't take away the cell phone. There wasn't one. They couldn't take away the Xbox. They couldn't take away the allowance. I didn't get an allowance. And so, you know, they knew what was my one pride and joy. What was my love? My love was ice skating. And so if my grades were dropping, they would say, you're spending too much time training at the rink. We're going to take the skating away. Grades are first. Skating is second. And so skating was my reward. Skating was my Xbox, if that makes sense. So, okay, if you don't take away my Xbox, I will get my grades up. And when you when you look at like the girls who you, you said you have like how many girls? Eight thousand. Uh, how many girls for or one? How many? Or you, you said you have uh, you have a group that you're doing. What's the name? I of the run. Group? I started a swingers club. It's called Hanky Panky Lifestyle. It's out in Southern California, and I started that in 2012 from nothing. I have eighteen thousand community members now. And why do you find that most people uh, start becoming swingers or even get involved in that lifestyle? So, again, there's a big misconception on the swinger lifestyle. A lot of people think that swingers just consist of husbands and wives uh, having sex with other husbands and wives, who have swapping partners. And that's not the whole aspect of the swinger lifestyle. There's something as voyeurism. People just want to go as a couple and watch and it turns them on and then they go home and, you know, and that, that gives a fit, that fantasy and that excitement to their relationship with their partner. Some people just want to be watched. Some people seek that, you know, that that unicorn where they just want that experience of a couple having a female with them or some men want to watch their wives with another man, but they want nothing to do with another woman. And so there's so many different aspects and avenues that go into the word swinging or what we call the lifestyle. And I think that couples, it's a little bit more accepted nowadays because couples realize that monogamy is hard and this is a way to spice up their relationship with their partner. Um, and I've seen Many people come into my community trying to save their marriage, and I tell them this is not going to save your marriage. And I've seen people make mistakes, and my ultimate goal is to get my book out there, get my story out there, and then start coaching people and doing workshops and online one-on-one -on -one coaching and then going and doing uh, presentations and traveling, book signings, and teaching people about this other side of the adult industry, whatever it may be, swinging, BDSM, the nudist community. Um, you know, I've, I've exposed myself to so much in 2012 and I've learned so much and I continue to learn each day. Every, every time I host an event, I'm, I'm a wedding planner as well. So I realized that um, doing um, events, I love it's taken in my theatrical creative side um, and I'm very, very organized and responsible and I'm a people person. And so I decided to open up a wedding company. So now I'm a wedding planner as well as a swing club owner. Um, and so that's what I'm doing right now, along with other stuff as well. <laughs> I love that you have a million hats. But going back to when you said uh, after the injuries, it was tough for you to recover. How did you how did you get over that? How did you work through that? Um, Here's something that you love for so long and you put poured so much of your heart and soul into it. So, what, did, what did that what did that look like for people who pour their hearts into something and then it just it ends? You know, you you I, I took it. I took a different turn on it. So I took it. I took it as, um, OK, I love um, I love performing. 
I love ice skating. I love fitness and health. Um, and so I started coaching. I lived in Sweden for, for four years and I was coaching Sweden. I'm coaching kids, I'm sorry, in Sweden. And then when I moved back to California with my young son, I decided to open up a fitness company for children. So I opened up a mobile fitness company where I would travel to preschools and daycares. I still do this today. And I would educate kids and do a music to movement class all about health and fitness. Um, so I was still able to take all those years of my love of my sport and just put it into something else. I love that. And that's such a great lesson for the listeners out there because so many people are losing their jobs right now or, yes. or transitioning from one thing to the next, from marriage to divorce or, to, or from being single to getting married. And, uh, and, and there's an identity crisis that, that tends to happen. And what's beautiful about what you did, Carolyn, is that you looked at the characteristics and the values that you that you loved uh, and and appreciated in 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 ice skating and in sport, and you just transferred it over into another field. That you didn't you didn't let ice skating define you. You you looked at the qualities that brought you to that sport and that you loved about that sport, and you took it out and you and you put it in something else. So I, I really want listeners to to take heed to that and listen to that. That's a beautiful lesson. Yeah, that's, you know, a lot of my story is, you know, everybody, again, um, it kind of goes back to what I had said in the beginning. You may get a college degree in accounting and you may end up um, being a retail manager of a store or sales. So you never, you know, just because you're going one direction in life, there's no reason that you can't change your path. You can do anything you want to do. And if you're not harming anybody and you're not hurting anybody, then I say go for it. If you want to be a married couple and you want to experience the lifestyle, Go experience the lifestyle, but do it for the right reasons. And don't be concerned if you go to a lifestyle event and you run into your boss because they're there for the same reason as you. It's got to, you know, be a time that we stop this judging of people. You know, nobody, you're not hurting anybody else if you want to be an adult performer. You're not hurting anyone if you want to go up and work in a brothel. You're not hurting anybody if you want to run a swingers club or be part of that community. So now, uh, why Sweden? Why did you go to Sweden after? That was my husband. I was married to my husband and he got a job over there for four years in Sweden. Okay. And so we went over there and I coached the ice skating team over there. Oh, it sounds like you, you've had a fun and exciting life. <laughs> That's just part of it. Yes. <laughs> now, what about in terms of your kids? Uh, how have you explained to them what what mommy does or was that not a, a issue just like they find out when they find out or was there a sit down at the table so I have told the um, older one when he was 14 years old, I did sit him down and tell him everything because I knew that he was getting to the age where one day his friends might approach him and say, wait a second, I think I saw your mom on the Internet. So I needed to let him know and let him know how to handle that and just say to them, you know, yep, yeah, my mom's hot. There you go. Walk away. That's it. You know, just let it go. But um, he's they're fine. He's fine with it. Um, my kids. They know me. They know that mom is educated. They know that mom runs a fitness company and is a wedding planner and hosts other events and is a talent manager and owns a, um, a website with um, for adult net networking. I'm a part owner in a site called myhotfriends.com. Um, I do voiceover work for an avatar. Uh, my kids know mom is a mom's a go getter. Mom's a hustler. And my number one goal was when the boys come to me and they say they need a new pair of shoes. I don't need to call my ex husband. I can say, boys, let's go get you a new pair of shoes. I love so. that. It's all about that. It, it sounds like you value self sufficiency. 
Yes, absolutely, 100%. And I, that's another thing in my book is to any woman out there that feels that, or any man, anybody, if you feel that, you know, you're down in the dumps right now with all of this COVID crap and everything that's going on and losing jobs and all of that, you, you hear the story again and again and again. You can pick yourself up and follow a dream and do what you want to do and don't let anybody stop you and don't let anybody deter you because many times people had said to me, don't, don't open a swingers club. Are you crazy? Don't go be a porn star. Are you out of your mind? You know, you hesitate, hesitate. And then I thought about it. You know what? My life's my life. And these are my choices. And I'm going to be self-sufficient and I'm smart and I'm intelligent and I'm powerful and I'm going to do this for me and I'm going to do it for my family and for my boys. I love that. And how have you handled failure? I mean, it sounds like wins across the board. I mean, yes, you got a divorce, but uh, we're still thriving on top. Those moments where things don't turn out your way, how do you reframe those? Uh, there have been many, 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 many moments. There have been coming with, you know, running a swingers club comes lawsuits. I've been in numerous lawsuits where I've just, you know, wanted to give up where, you know, I've built this community and built this financial stability and it's all gone due to, you know, some kind of legal battle that I've got to fight and you want to give up. And then I say to myself, you know what? No, no, I'm not giving up. I, I built this. I started it. I'm going to keep it going. My community has been amazing. They've stood behind me. They They've helped me. Um, and even, you know, with my book taking off or whatever's going to happen with the success of my book, I'm committed to my community. I'm committed to running my events and continuing to build it. I'm committed to my wedding company, the couples, and I'm committed to the kids that I teach in fitness. Um, I've, you know, I've got these things that I built and I started them all and I'll continue to do them. So letdowns will come and I'll just pick myself up and keep going. You know, what's very powerful about what you said is the anticipation of letdowns coming. I think a lot of times we we start a venture, we do something, and we expect everything to, to go according to plan. We expect the 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 business to, to run smooth, the, the relationship to be smooth and and yeah. the, the, the you know, moving from A to B and we just have this quote unquote positive mindset. But I think we have to expect for there to be pitfalls and and uh, and unexpected, uh, you know, lawsuits that, that come our way. Absolutely. And they do. And, you know, and there's times where there was times where I was giving up. There was times where I contemplated suicide if I didn't have the kids, because I just felt that I couldn't keep going anymore. And I've have a a great group of friends around me that have, you know, helped me and said, you're going to keep going. Look what you've done. Look back at how much you've accomplished so far. And even with writing my book, um, I was talking to my publisher yesterday. My book's never going to be done because my story's never going to end. You know, and that's what I encourage people to do is, you know, just just keep going and everything's never nothing's going to go the way you plan. And so what? That's what life's about. Take what take what comes at you and make the best of it and keep going. When you were contemplating ending your life, did you call your friends or did your friends pick up on it? What, what did that look like? I, I called my friends. I have one very, very, very amazing friend who lives in Sweden. We developed a friendship, uh, let's see, over 16 years ago, 17 years. And uh, she's my she's my rock. She's my rock. So when things go down, she's my rock. I'm her rock. And um, we keep each other fighting. You know, we keep motivating each other to say, you know, she's had letdowns. I've had letdowns. There's no reason to put our lives to an end. I've got, you know, my biggest thing is I've got, I've got my babies. I've got my boys and those, they're my world. They're my everything. 
when, when you called her, because there's so many people who are afraid to make a call like that, afraid yeah. to, to, to ask for help or to show vulnerability or say they're hurt or say that they're, I mean, to say that they're ending their life, even if it's your best friend, that's a hard phone call and conversation to have. Can, can you tell us how you started that conversation or what the tenants were? So, so the listeners out there who want to call and want to reach out, you know, kind of have a, a blueprint for what to say. You know, it's, it's, it's a hard thing. I'm not, you know, I can't say I'm, I'm a psychologist or anything like that, but I can say that um, I watched my friend go through a lot of hardships and where she would say things like, I'm going to find the river and I'm going to go off the river and that's it, I'm done. And I would have to, you know, be her, be her rock and be her strength and encourage her and tell her all the good things that are going on in life and, you know, let her know that I'm here for her and, you know, she needs to be there for me because we're all going to go through that. We're all going to have those downs especially what's going on right now in our country. Uh, people are losing their jobs and they can't pay their rent. And you just kind of feel like, what? Well, why am I even trying anymore? You know, and so I encourage people out there that's going to be, you know, part of my, you know, my, my, uh, my website too, my coaching too. I'm not a psychologist, but you need somebody to talk to. You talk to somebody who's not going to judge you, somebody who's going to listen, lend a listening ear. You know, sometimes people don't want advice. They just want somebody to listen. Just listen to them. It's so true. I mean, I think that's why most arguments take place is, yeah. you know, one person is just wanting to be heard and the other person is wanting to fix. Uh, and, you know, it, it, then the other person says, well, I feel like you, you're not listening to me. Um, and so if we could just learn to just hold space for each other. And it's very hard. It's, it's yeah. even, even though I know, like, when my girlfriend is just venting and, I'm like, I should just be listening. I so badly just want to get in there and try to fix things. Right, right. And sometimes it's just, you know, best to just listen, hold somebody. Holding is a big thing, you know. I mean, I've got one of my best friends right now. He's 27 years old. He's gay, and um, he's my best friend. He, You know, he's he's my another one of my rocks here, you know. And sometimes he just wants to vent and cry, and I just hold him, and I just say cry. Let it go. Cry, you know, and... You know, just knowing that you've got someone, anyone to turn to, you know, and that's kind of what we're going to be doing with my book is we're going to be having online where people can come and they can come and talk to me. And just, and, and it sounds like also like, you know, I, I think one of the main drivers and purpose of your book is to, is to show that the porn industry is like any other. It's just work. It's just a job. And, and we shouldn't have this, this, this negative stigma around it. Exactly. Exactly. The, the porn industry, the... The, 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 you know, sex workers, the brothel work, um, the swingers world, the BDSM, the nudists, you know, people even judge, judge nudists because they want to go and lay out naked at a resort. So what? Who are they hurting? Nobody. Nobody. And this judging is just ridiculous in this day and age. And that's, you know, really what I'm trying to, you know, put in my book. And, 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 the, and then the, um, the misconception of what people think happens at a brothel. That's another one. So that's in my book as well. Stories of things that I experienced working there. And it wasn't, most of the time, it wasn't sex. It wasn't intimacy. It was companionship. It was somebody coming to us for companionship to hold them, to talk to them, to listen, to not judge. Uh, what does that mean? Like, uh, uh, can, can you elaborate on that companionship uh, to, to listen, to judge? You saying like guys or people, I mean, I'm sure did women, uh, did women attend it also go to these yep. brothels? Yeah, women and, will come to brothels um, and they're sometimes someone will come to a brothel and they pick 
you know, they it's called a lineup and they'll pick a girl from the lineup. And then, you know, this, where there's a whole process where you have to go give them a tour. Then you go to discuss a session. It's called a session in your room. And sometimes the, the session is all they're saying is I'm a truck driver and I'm lonely and I'm bored. And I just want someone to talk to, watch TV for the night, hold in my arms. That's it. You know, just that companionship, just that person to hold them and listen. So a, a session would literally be you just holding them, watching television. Mm-hmm. It could be. A, a session could be so many different things. Living out a fantasy. Somebody has a fantasy they're too scared to tell anybody about. They're too embarrassed to ask their wives. They're too embarrassed to ask their girlfriend if they want to go down this road and experience this fantasy. And so they come to someone like us, a courtesan, in the uh, brothel, and we're non-judgmental. And you can live that fantasy with us. Wow. And and what percentage of your uh, clients or customers would you say were just there for companionship primarily? That's the craziest part. I would say about 75% of my customers were there for companionship or some kind of very much um, unknown fantasy. Um, there's stories in my book that talk about things that even I didn't even know of diaper play and, and and my mind and what I thought diaper play was and I was totally wrong and um, a furry what's a furry and I didn't you know and all these different things that even I had to sit back and say okay wait a second explain exactly to me what it is that you're trying to accomplish with me what is your fantasy I'm not judging you but explain to me so that I can help you with that and I can make it the experience that you're seeking oh okay so for I mean I'm fascinated. I'm curious. What's diaper play and then what is furry play? <laughs> diaper play is something diaper play again, it's it's the it's um uh, where people want to go back to just being a child and there's a name for it and it's in my book and I don't actually know off the top of my head right now. Um I wanna say A and R, but it is um we're so in our in, in our adult lives right now. It's all about, you know, go to work, make your money, pay your bills, um, the stress of everyday life. And when you're a child, there is no there's not that stress when you're a four year old child, when you're five, you're just playing with your toys and your stuffed animals. And so it's going back to your childhood years is a lot of what that is. Wearing diapers, rolling around on the floor, playing with toys, um, stuff like that. Pillows, wrestling. Um, and that's some some of the stuff that I've had a client come in and request to do. Oh, it's called paraphilic infantilism. There you go. <laughs> I knew I couldn't pronounce it. <laughs> Th that's fascinating. You know, and I remember uh, seeing or reading that uh, a while ago, and I completely... <laughs> Uh, deleted it from the memory banks, but now as I as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh yeah, the the whole diaper fetish, uh, mm -hmm. and, it, and it makes sense. It's like you know, I've been to therapy, and uh, I remember my therapist saying, we all are walking around with a nine year old version of ourselves uh, mm -hmm. that, and and you can feel you can feel it when you've regressed behaviorally. I mean, I haven't regressed in terms of uh, you know to wanting to wear diapers. But there, there, there are moments where, uh, you know, I feel like a boyish man. And, but then there are times where you feel like an adult. And there are other times where you're just like, I just want to be a kid right now. I just want to, like, cuddle up or, you know, uh, I just want to be held. But, like, there, as a guy, you can't really say that. You can't be like, I just want to be held. Uh, and so I understand why, why guys and, and truck drivers, I mean, yeah, you're out there on the road for months. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, physical contact. And, and we underestimate the power of physical contact and, and how much that's, that's needed, like water. Exactly. Like you think about, again, going to COVID right now, people are at home and something you just want, you just need that, you know, you need that companionship. You need to be held. And um, again, like you said earlier, that caught my ear. It said, um, you said um, a, a man, it's not acceptable for him to say, I just want to be held. Well, I, I want to change that. That's bullcrap. You know, it's anybody, you're a man, you're a woman, you're a child, you're 80 years old, you were, you know, you fought in World War II. Everybody wants to be held. Everybody wants to be accepted. And if you're a good person and you're not harming anybody else, be who you want to be. Stop living for other people. Be who you want to be. That's my thing. That's such a beautiful thing. I would imagine, you know, doing that work had to feel so rewarding. Uh, but I would also imagine that that could also be uh, emotionally or mentally draining on some aspects. How did you reset yourself from day to day or week to week? How did you how did you fill your well up doing that kind of work? So um, it was very um, and I didn't do it for very long. I do want to reiterate that um, I only uh, work. I only did what's called. I only went to the brothel three times and stayed for a week at a time. Um, but for me. Uh, going into it was very nerve wracking. And then I just really started to realize, kind of like you said, when a client would leave, I made a new friend and, and I felt like I had done something good for someone. And then you put on your working shoes and you go back at it again, you know, because that's, it's your job. It's your, you're being hired for your time to create somebody's fantasy. And, um, you know, we, as we were independent contractors, you can always say no. You can always say, I'm sorry, I don't think I'm the right girl for the fetish that you want or the fantasy that you're looking to fulfill here. Um, but I I never said no. <laughs> I, I, I never, I'm, I was very lucky, I guess. I never had um, anything that made me feel awkward. I mean, even today, I still work as a webcam performer. I do custom videos and I will get requests um, for webcam. And on some of those, I do say no, if they're a little bit too out there, but um, for the most part, I'm here to fulfill your fantasy and it's a job for me and I enjoy it. I like it. Yeah. How, how, how would you suggest, uh, if, if, uh, you know, someone is in a relationship and they, they want to role play and, and they want to be held, especially as a man, how would you suggest that they bring it up to their wife or spouse or somebody that they might be uh, too ashamed to have that conversation with. Yeah, that's that's the that's the that's the biggest thing with our world today is that so many customers of mine for webcam, so many men come to me to fulfill whatever fantasy it is that they want because they're too scared to discuss it with their wives. And I encourage all the time, have you have you talked to your wife? Have you told your wife that this is your fantasy? No, she would judge me. Well, you know, then is this the right marriage for you? You know, that's another thing I say, you know, we some people stay in a marriage a lot of time. You know, they say you, you can you stay in the marriage for the kids. Right. Um, but if you don't have kids and you've only been married two years and you can't talk to your partner or your husband or your wife and say, I want to try this, then is that where you want to be for the rest of your life? That's what I tell people, you know. You have to really step back and your partner has to you have to be able to communicate. It's communication all the way. hundred percent. Absolutely. And that's such a, a hard thing for us uh, to really grasp. And it's something that most of us don't uh, realize is a skill. And, it, and it, it's, you have to actually communicate to work on your communication uh, 
Uh, it's not something that you're going to, you're going to develop, uh, overnight. So you go from the brothel, uh, and you're working on camera. Were there days, uh, when you, uh, as an adult porn star that, uh, it was a challenge for you mentally and you, and you had to have a talk with yourself for whatever reason? Um, not, not really for me, to be honest. Um, you know, like I said, it was, it was really just a job. There were, and I talk about this in my book again, there were, uh, certain shoots or preparation for certain scenes that are, you know, a little bit more difficult than others. But, um, I never had a bad experience. Um, you know, and, and, and to this day, to this day, I'm still friends with people that I've worked with in the industry and I'm still in, in, I'm still friends, you know, via social media with clients that came into the brothel five, six years ago. And that's, you know, the connection, I made amazing connections. And for me, luckily, I didn't have to uh, really, you know, close my eyes and mentally prepare for the day because I really, really, it really was a job. Let me ask you this. You're, you're, how old are you now? I am 43. And so at the age of 43, uh, do, you, do you feel like you're now over the idea of uh, living to please your parents? Or is there still a part of it in the decisions that you make where you imagine how they're going to look at you, respond, and, and what they're going to say to you? I absolutely still am very emotional and very, very scared daily about all of this. Me me coming out with this book, we've been working on this for four years, and, find, and this publisher you know, came to me and said, your book is going to be a bestseller, and this is amazing, and they took it to editing, and you know, now we're shooting the book cover, and I'm a nervous, nervous wreck. I, I am, because I, it's, you still, you, you, whether you're 43 or 63, you know, it's that conception of, oh my gosh, you know, are my parents going to be upset that now I've put this on paper, that their friends might read this, that, you know, uh, the Jewish community might read this. But the other part of me says, I'm so proud of who I am and the woman I am, the mother I am, the daughter I am, the sister I am. And, um, and I really, really, truly believe in my heart that my story is going to help so many people. And so I'm willing to come out and share it and hopefully make a difference. If I can make a difference in one person's life, I feel like I've done something right. I, I, I'm so glad that you are releasing this book because it's, it's fascinating that we live in a culture where we, we t- where it's okay to display violence and it's okay to, uh-huh. to display uh, even social distance. You know, I was talking to my buddy about like, like as a guy, we've always been social distancing. Like if I if I went to the movies with my buddy, we're not sitting right next to each other. We're putting six feet between us, right? <laughs> we're gonna put two chairs between us, and you know we're not gonna hug. We're not we're not we're not letting the hips touch. It's it's like a a little dap or a head nod. So like this right. is we were we were already doing this. This is nothing new, and um and I forgot I was making a point with this. I, I forgot where I was going. But but uh, I just uh, I just I just <laughs> imagine like uh, the the release of this book is is gonna bring people closer together and and help people have conversations in their relationships and with themselves about what they value and what they care about and and what their needs are. A lot of people have such a hard time expressing 
their needs that's, in a relationship. That's the, key. that's the key. And so, and so again, that's, you know, the goal is to release the book, the goal, the, the publishing really believes my book's going to be a bestseller and, um, you know, doing podcasts like this and, you know, making sure that my social media information is available so people can get the book released. They can get the download. They can get my website, which my website is going is Coraline. It's C O R A L Y N. So it's Coraline jewel, J E W E L.com. I'll be offering coaching on there. I'll be offering, uh, group sessions, uh, book signings, talks. And I, and I want people to be able to come to me, um, as a couple and say, we want to set up a session with you. We want to talk to you. We feel comfortable after reading your book that we can sit in a room and talk to you. And I'm not a therapist and I'm not a psychologist, but I'll listen and I can just share my story and I can share my advice and I can help the best way that I can. You know, uh, uh, a lot of people think about porn in terms of is is just sex and and there's so many like videos about how to improve your sex life. What would you say are the ingredients of a of a great sex life? Number one is communication. I will always continue to emphasize that. And the second thing is that you can't judge each other. So if your partner wants to try something. Um, and you guys have to talk about it. And if you're willing to try it and you don't like it, then you need to communicate and say, I tried it. I tried it for you and I didn't like it. So for example, coming into the swinger community, maybe you want to experience having another woman with you and your husband. And then when it comes down to it and you see your husband kiss another woman or touch another woman, it breaks your heart. Well, then you need to go home and you need to discuss that with your husband or your partner. And there needs to be no questioning of it. It can't be, oh, well, let's just try it again because that's that's not it. You are a married couple. You guys agreed to be together as a partner experience together. My biggest thing with the lifestyle um, and, uh, you know, just relationships in general, again, is communication and um, tell your partner what you want. Tell your partner your fantasies, experience them, try them and then discuss them. That's the kicker. Discuss what you guys just experienced. Well, you know, what, what I realize, a, a lot of the reasons why people don't discuss what they want in a relationship, want what they, what, what, not just in a relationship, but, but discuss what they want from life. Discuss what they want from themselves is because they're afraid of rejection. They're afraid of, of failure, of, 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 of what if I ask my partner for this thing and I say I want this and, and she says no, then, then how, what, where does the discussion go? Exactly. They're being they're afraid of being judged. And so, you know, I'm hoping that men and women will read my book and, you know, will be able to go to their partners, you know, to read the book together and then say, you know, listen, you know, let's let's take Corlin's advice. Look what she did. You know, look how you know, people always ask me, I don't understand why Corlin, you you're divorced because of the swinger lifestyle. And yet you stayed in. You stayed in that world and you started a club and you run this club and you built it to 18,000 members and you lost your marriage because of this. Why on earth? You know, and I tell them because it's a non judgmental community. You can be yourself. You can dress sexy and you can share your fantasies and share your experiences and nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to judge you. So. I love that. Is there is there anything any lessons from your life that we haven't talked about? Is there is there anything uh, you know you seem to to be so productive and gotten so many things and been able to pivot so well? Do you have a daily routine? Do you do you have things like the way that you start your morning that gets you out of bed? Coffee. Um, <laughs> I am. I have my 
I, as you said, like I wear many hats. I have my hands in so many things right now. I'm running my fitness company, my wedding company, my swinger club. I'm working on the My Hot Friends website, which is an adult networking website for people that are models, photographers, directors, adult performers, swingers, nudists, uh, the BDSM community. I'm, you know, doing avatar work for a webcam site where we do cartoon uh, characters, and I'm the voiceover for that. Um, I'm working on another project, uh, writing my book. So my there's no schedule for my day. It's uh, and I'm a webcam girl, and I still do custom videos, and so I just I'm juggling a lot. Um, but I but 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 I don't think I could not do that. I'm a hustler, and um, I'm a go getter, and you know I know with this book there's gonna be. There's going to be, I don't know if the word is rejection, but there's going to be talk about it. You know, everybody's, everybody still will judge, you know, and you just have to say in your mindset, I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of what I did. I'm proud to share my story. And if I can help one person, then I've done my job here and, you know, that's it. But I do not have a daily schedule. It's crazy. <laughs> do, you, do you, you know, in terms of the work you do and you're the face of so many things, do you have a workout routine or... I do. That I do. I do train three days a week. I make myself go and I work with a personal trainer three days a week. Um, and uh, he keeps me sane. He, we actually do one day is spent an hour just on breathing, just on breathing techniques because I get I get so overwhelmed and uh, flabbergasted and stressed out. And he's really teaching me how to uh uh, control my day and, and, you know, keep myself calm. Um, sleeping is a big issue for me. I have a very, very difficult time sleeping because my mind is constantly going. I'm an entrepreneur. My mind, what my mind's still writing my book, even though it's done in my sleep. So how now, so are you taking any supplements to sleep? Cause a lot of people are struggling with sleep. <sighs> Uh, you know, I'm tr I've tried and it just it's just not working for me. And so now we're trying the breathing techniques, you know, how I what, uh, and, you know, the different techniques of like wearing the blue glasses to blood, you know, and staying off my cell phone an hour before bed. Um, Epsom salt baths, a hot bath with lavender, anything like that to just calm my nerves before I go to sleep and turn off my mind. Yeah. So are, are there names for these breathing techniques? Is you doing, are you doing like a five, four, three, like five inhale, three, like what type of breathing you know i i've this is recent for me so <clears throat> that is something i wouldn't be able to actually advise anybody on yet exactly what the names of the breathing techniques are but i can tell you that in our everyday life if people start to just realize this like if they think about this as we go as we talk as we you know drive we're breathing quick you know we're not inhaling from our abdomen from our stomach all the way into our chest and that's kind of what he works on with me his his analogy is i want a big santa belly and then release it through your chest and it really really works it's really making me we start my day like that i start when i wake up in the morning um that's the first thing i do now is try to incorporate this breathing before i get up and have my coffee and start my day i love that you know because I, I personal train also and, and one of the hardest things to teach my clients is how to breathe yep. uh especially the moms and and who are who are moms slash entrepreneurs and wives and uh, and that belly breathing uh, is so tough. I try to have them lay on their stomach. It's called crocodile breathing, 
But yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah. I like that Santa's belly. That that's. Uh, I'm gonna I'm try that analogy and see if it works. <laughs> it really helps. It really helps make your stuff. He says. He says to me, you know, because I'm a, I, I'm a model. So um, he says to me, you you walk and you stand with the posture of a model. You're always, you know, chest up, shoulders back, and you're um, you're not. You're not breathing. You're not breathing. You're used to holding in your stomach and, you know, being as tight as you can for your images and let it out. Give me that fat stomach. Show me that Santa stomach. That's what he says. <laughs> I love it. And, and last question. And, you know, we understand that, like you said, you're not a psychologist. You're not in the mental health field. Uh, but I always feel like there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of ending their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Coraline? Talk to somebody, talk to me, talk to somebody, anybody, pick up the hot, call hotline, a friend, a family, a brother, a sister. And if you don't have anybody that you're comfortable talk to, that's why I want to do what I want to do. Come to me, come to my website, come to my social media, say you heard me on this podcast. Where can you get my book? I'll send you a free copy of the book. You know, this for me is about getting my story out there. This for me is about helping people, helping people understand the industry, helping people stop judging, accepting, and again, really emphasizing be you and, and be who you want to be. And I feel like everybody should write a book because everybody's got a story. Everyone's got a story to share and all of us can learn from somebody else's story. I love that, Coraline. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you telling your own story, for you calling a friend. Uh, go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly, and let's get to tomorrow together. Coraline, plug all your things. Where can people reach out to you? Okay, so let's see. So Instagram would be at Coraline Jewel, C-O-R. A-L-Y-N-J-E-W-E-L. My Twitter is at SweetBlueCJ, and under it, it says Coraline Jewel. I have a Facebook, CoralineJewel.com. My website will be released soon. That's CoralineJewel.com. And following my Instagram and social media is the best to find out exactly when we're going to do our, our launch party online, where we will be giving away a free download for the book. And what's the name of the book? We don't have a name yet. <laughs> I have, it'll come to me. So my company that I told you, the Swinger Club company that I own, it's hankypankylifestyle.com. And that came to me just because I said to my business investor, are you on the, he was on the phone with Hank. And I said, okay, came back in. And I said, are you still talking to Hanky Panky? And that's how we came up with that. So my book title will come to me when I'm least thinking about it. I appreciate you, Coraline. Thank you so much for spending Thank this time. Thank you so much for having me on. I truly appreciate it. Right. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. And just a quick reminder, BetterHelp is not a crisis line and wants you to start living a happier life today. So go to BetterHelp, H-E-L-P forward slash Leo, and enjoy your 10% off today. Today you can start your journey to being happy, to achieving your goals, to feeling heard and connected. You can start communicating now. It's worldwide, and you can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional now. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo to start your journey today.